welcome to podcasting social work podcasting social work is a platform for educators learners social workers and activists to share your stories knowledge and skills to empower communities and transform lives my name is dr hassan mahbub i am a social worker and professor at centennial college toronto this episode is focusing on mindfulness and social work we are going to have conversation with professor and martins who is a social worker and a trainer on mindfulness it is my great pleasure to work with professor ann martins at centennial college and receive her mentoring support how are you ann hello hasan it's great to be with you today i'm fine thank you so much for participating in this conversation on mindfulness at the beginning please tell us about yourself about your education work and passion All right, Hassan. Um again, I really appreciate you inviting me to talk about mindfulness. I am a newly retired uh professor from Centennial College, but most of my career uh, I have had worked in the social service worker program as a professor uh and then moved into a bridging program called Community and Child Studies Foundations. I would say that about 15 years ago um I decided with several social service work colleagues that it would be important to bring mindfulness practices into the social service worker program which we did and I can talk a little bit more about the relevance of that later on um but Absolutely. Then um as part of my career at Centennial I worked with two other faculty members to co-create something called Mastering the Moment an introduction to mindfulness and meditation uh and it was offered as a general general education elective to any student at Centennial College who wanted to take it so um I have taught auto mechanics and heavy equipment operators and social service workers and hospitality students and on uh mindfulness meditation wonderful great to hear and uh, i hope that you will share some of your experience with us um let us uh, discuss about how, how do you like to define mindfulness so that our audience can connect with our conversation uh yes it's a great question hasan and it is slightly difficult to uh do that justice in terms of you know a short interview but i will try um in terms of Thank its you. history you know we can't forget that mindfulness has its roots in ancient ancient buddhist philosophy and practices um but having said that um it was secularized and brought to north america from a, a couple of different uh teachers and i'm just going to read um two of the definitions of mindfulness uh the first is by sharon salzberg who has done a lot of work in this area in the united states in particular she says that mindfulness is being aware of what is going on as it actually arises not being lost in our conclusions or judgments about it our fantasies of what it means our hopes our fears or aversion but rather mindfulness helps us to see very clearly and directly 
Another definition and one that is quoted often and that I've used a lot in working with students is John Kabat-Zinn's definition. And he talks about, he defines mindfulness as paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment and without judgment. So I, what I'd like to do, Hassan, is just break, break yeah. down his definition a little bit further to explain it. So that would be okay. great. <laughs> All right. So paying attention on purpose. Uh, so one door into mindfulness practices is paying attention to objects such as bringing your concentration to the breath or the body. And we're paying attention on purpose, meaning we can learn to direct our mind like a flashlight. He says in a particular way in the present moment. So we're learning to pay attention to where our own mind is in at any given time. So we're developing meta awareness where the quality of knowing where our mind is, is the mind wandering, for example. And then the final part of his definition, he talks about um, paying attention without judgment. And it's not that we, uh, the mind definitely judges our experiences, but what we're trying to do in mindfulness is pay attention to all of our experiences without judging them as good or bad um, and labeling them and defining them, but really having an open kind of awareness to all of our experience. Wonderful. So from your definition, I briefly see there is huge connection between mindfulness and social work mm -hmm. practice. Would you like me to expand on those connections? A absolutely. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Okay. Um, so when we thought about bringing it to social service work students, um, as you know, Hassan, self-awareness is such a key skill for students in the social service worker profession, as well as other human service related professions. Um, Absolutely. In social work, we ask students to reflect on their values, their social location, their biases, and uh, the impact that that has on working with um, populations that we work with in social work. So as you can gather from the definition, um, mindfulness really is a tool to help us in terms of becoming uh, more self-aware. Um, the second uh, piece of that is around stress management. Uh, students, as you know, um, it can be very stressful being a student. It can be very stressful having other demands that many of our students have placed on them. Um, and Absolutely. so as a stress management tool, you know, if we're learning to become aware of um, our body, our breath, we start to notice that our attention can sometimes be interrupted by our thoughts. And stress often arises when we're not aware that we're having stressful thoughts that uh, make our situations more difficult. So for students, for example, 
if um, they're working on a particular assignment and they start uh, kind of having the ideas in their minds, perhaps without knowing that they're having a lot of negative self-talk that interferes with their uh, success. Um, Mindfulness helps one to become aware of what's happening in one's own mind. And so a student can then not uh, get caught up in that stressful story, but start to pay attention to the present moment and hopefully um, come back from that stress response quicker. Wonderful. And uh, I I understand that you are... uh giving some overview about mindfulness and its connection with social work and social work practice and how our mm-hmm. students can practice. So in this regard, I would like to know a little bit more about what kind of tools and techniques can be used to practice mindfulness. Any tips, mm-hmm. any ideas? Yeah, um, I've got a few different um tips and uh so if we go back to the original definition of paying attention on purpose um we can and you or we do use um things like paying attention to the breath paying attention to the body um and one of the particular practices that i find very helpful for beginning beginning mindfulness meditation practice, practitioners uh is the body scan um and at some point, um, I can go through a body scan and, you know, kind of emphasize what that means. Um, but, but that would be great. The- yeah, absolutely great. And we'll uh, discuss about it after your uh, this segment. Yeah. So, so a couple of really short tips. If someone is starting to notice that they're feeling very stressed one of the short practices is that we can bring our attention to a a part of our body for example the sensations of the feet planted firmly on the ground so we're not thinking about our feet but we might be noticing oh tingling or heat or pressure or vibration in the feet and this brings our mind and body together into the present moment That's one example. Wonderful. Another short exercise that we have students do is it's basically called stop. So it's stop, take a breath, observe, and then proceed. So again, let's say a student is um, uh, writing an exam, writing a test, and they notice that they're feeling worried, they're feeling confused. Um, they can literally stop, take a deep breath, observe. The observe can be just a quick scan through the body. Maybe their chest is tight. Maybe their hands are sweaty. So they, they notice that. They're back in the present moment. And then they can proceed with the test. Wonderful tips for our students and for all of us, actually. Uh, Hassan, another technique that helps us to define mindfulness for students is something that we call, uh, I have them do, I ask them to clap their hands three times really hard. So do you want to try that, Hassan? And then... I asked them and I'll ask you, so what are you noticing right now? What, what are you feeling in your body, in your hands in particular? I feel like tingling, burning, 
and uh, some sort of connection mm-hmm. between my body and mind. Mm-hmm. So, so it gets us to pay attention to the body, which is solid and it's present. And so it, it helps students to understand that mindfulness is about paying attention to something. And in this case, we're paying attention to our hands and, and the feeling in our hands. And it's a way to uh, define what mindfulness is for them. Oh, wonderful. By the way, just uh, as, a, uh, as a reference, I do a lot of clapping in our classes, in my classes. And uh, I feel mm-hmm. that through clapping, students uh, connect better with each other, appreciate each other, and engage mm-hmm. in the conversation. But it's good to know this uh, technique and it is related with mindfulness. And can you please uh, tell us a little bit uh, what kind of values and principles are usually adopted in mindfulness practice and what kind of principles actually we should uh, take in our mindfulness uh, practice? Yeah, that's a really good question. And again, I'm going to go back to uh, John Kabat-Zinn's work. Um, He lays out uh, seven attitudinal foundations of mindfulness. And I won't go through each one, but if you want to, or students want to look up those seven foundations, um, it's seven attitudinal foundations of mindfulness by John Kabat-Zinn. But um, as an example, um, John Kabat-Zinn talks about um, seeing things with a beginner's mind. That's one of the attitudinal foundations of mindfulness. So, for example, let's say a student is out on field placement and they have this idea that, um, you know, perhaps they're having a conflict with the field placement supervisor. And they've created Great example, a sto- actually. <laughs> they've created a story, you know, about that situation. One of the attitudinal foundations would be to really keep awareness of the situation open and look at it, look at the situation with fresh eyes every time, with a beginner's mind rather than getting caught into a story of how we think things are and being stuck and solid in that. Absolutely. Any other um, tips you can provide? Any other uh, principle you want to add? It sounds very interesting. Yes. um, He, in that particular, you know, description of the seven attitudinal foundations of mindfulness, um, the idea of non-striving. So we want to um, not rush everything along, like letting situations unfold with some patience without it needing to be a particular way. Um, And we're getting experience right now in the times of covid with that um and i can talk a little bit about Absolutely. that further actually we, we are going to have some discussion on that how to manage mm-hmm. our stress during this time of covid after this um, discussion mm-hmm. so, um yeah go ahead yeah please I, I was also curious to know that some of the principles like uh, compassion humility mm-hmm. love yeah. nonviolence. how yes. do you feel that 
uh, and fit this kind of values and principles into mindfulness practice, whether it promotes or how it actually engages in mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would answer your question in a couple of ways. So if we, if we were aware that you know mindfulness practices go back to Buddhist philosophy um, and psychology and within the practices and the secular practices as well that Kabat-Zinn and others have brought forward, um, compassion practice, the practice of joy, the practice of equanimity, and the practice of loving kindness are all part of the practices that are taught and were included in the course that we taught at Centennial College. Oh, wonderful. So when we think about um, approaching situations in our own life with others, we learn practices like having compassion for others, having compassion for ourselves, practicing loving kindness toward others, practicing loving kindness toward ourselves. And not that we pretend to like someone that we don't, but with these practices, we're inclining our minds toward more loving and caring, um, more loving and caring ways is how I would put it. And the same goes for compassion. You know, we may not um, know exactly what's happening with another person, but we can have compassion that we want to reduce uh, another person's pain in some way. Absolutely. And uh, again, I would like to say that I can see a great uh, relationship between mindfulness practice and social work practice. Uh, Wonderful. So uh, as we are discussing a little bit about how mindfulness can help us to deal with our stress, especially during coronavirus pandemic. And Mm -hmm. every day is like a new a reality new challenge for us and it's like a new normal so mm-hmm. in this kind of new normal situation how we can cope up with our stress our our social roles our family roles our professional roles how we can actually manage all these things mm-hmm. um yes i mean i not i not only teach about mindfulness but i practice it myself and that I is can, great <laughs> i can honestly say that um in this time period, you know, I'm really trying to do readings and meditation practices um, on a daily basis. Um, John Kabat-Zinn, in one of his books, he says, we can't stop the waves, but we can learn to surf. And I think the coronavirus, the the pandemic is a, a perfect example of that. There's so much right now that is not in our control. And so how are we managing with that uncertainty? Because human beings really like to try to have certainty. Um, a lot of what we do is toward that. But, but the reality, reality is that we right now we don't have a lot of certainty. So the way that I view this in terms of, you know, how mindfulness meditation can be uh, helpful is as we practice and we're, we're learning what's happening in our own mind, in this time, we can kind of check in with ourselves through our practices to see, are we adding to our own stress by creating, you know, additional stories in our minds about what's happening, about the pandemic, about how it's going to affect school. 
I mean, we really have to let things unfold and it's difficult, but my view is that mindfulness practices can help us to see if we're adding to our stress by any stories we're creating, but also um, practicing meditation it really, you know, we may notice when we sit down to practice meditation that our mind is really wandering. Um, and that's normal. Um, and then after we keep practicing, maybe we're focusing on the breath for 10 or 15 minutes, we notice that the mind has started to settle. So the practices really help us come to that settling place quicker as well. Um, we also, I would say in relation to the pandemic, we, we also may be able to notice um, when our reactions aren't that helpful. Uh, so maybe we're getting irritable and we're taking it out on our kids. Um, if, we're, if we are mindfully aware, we may catch ourselves and stop kind of unwise behavior, behavior quickly. Um, and then going back to self-compassion and compassion for others um, as part of one's own practice, this is a time where, you know, people are experiencing loss um, and it could be loss related to not being in the classroom, um, parents who have to uh, try to manage and juggle uh, not only their own workplaces, but, you know, their children's emotions um, loss in terms of family and friends, people that may have become ill, um, and maybe those who have died from Very the cool. virus. Yeah. So, you know, practicing compassion for ourselves and for others can be um, helpful at this time. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and we discussed about how our students can actually cope up with uh, us different situations with stress and how mindfulness practice can help them. And just I would like to um, request you to give some tips for our students who are now uh, attending program via online program or teaching from, from distance. Um, that the way we uh, try to uh, provide our programs uh, to our students. In this regard, uh, how actually our student can do well and manage their stress. Uh, can you please add a little bit more in that? Um, in relation to mindfulness practices? Yes, and mm -hmm. also teaching and learning from distance. Mm -hmm. that it is another type of stress for many students. Uh, yeah. And I understand as a learner, it's not easy. Yes. Um, I think one of the things that I would say, given the learning at a distance, um, is being mindful of our use this time. Um, in the course that we taught, the Gen Ed course, we that, that was one of the topics. So paying attention to um, how much time you're on the screen. When you are doing learning from a distance and you are having to do all your learning through uh, technology, it's not the same as being in a face-to-face -face setting. So I think students need to be aware of that and, and kind of uh, lower their expectations for the amount of time that they can be on a screen. I don't think it's the same as when you're in a face-to-face -face situation. So I would, you know, I would suggest that students be mindful of 
um, what's happening with their bodies, with their emotions when they're on screens this much and act accordingly, take breaks, do things in short um, kind of bursts. Um, the second thing in terms of uh, practicing, you know, taking some time when a student can do this in terms of their own, you know, particular day-to-day -day, uh, responsibilities to be still, to um, pick a short mindfulness practice. It can be as short as like two or three minutes and just having that time where they're learning how to practice being still and uh, starting to practice the skill of knowing what's happening in their own mind. That's great, uh, wonderful. And uh, from a blog post recently, I have learned uh, some tips that actually in this kind of situation, when we are teaching at a distance, that we mm -hmm. have to consider what are the things our students and our community we are going through together. And at first, we have mm -hmm. to be human and then become a mm -hmm. professor or work as a professor or instructor. So to become human, is very important to understand and acknowledge all these barriers, challenges, stress, and prepare your weekly modules, deliver your uh, materials in a way so students feel um, that it is easier for them to understand and easier for them to participate and act and learn mm -hmm. together. So that is uh, very yeah. important. But at the end of the day, as one of the founders of social workers said, uh, the Arnold J. Toynbee, the greater the challenge, the greater the response. So I'm optimistic that this pandemic will give us more opportunities to think out of the box, to think in creative mm -hmm. ways uh, about our social work practice and to help ourselves and our community. So I'm very optimistic in a way that although this is a very stressful time, but we are going to Mm -hmm. find out ways through our mindfulness, through our um, yeah. self-reflective practice, self-care will find out more ways to innovate our program and services. So in this regard, yes. I would like to ask you that how mindfulness can help social workers practice more effectively and more creatively. Well, I guess what I will... Um kind of go back to is some of the research around mindfulness. And um, Dr. Mira Joshi um, wrote an article uh, in 2017 and just kind of uh, summarized some of the research. But um, the prefrontal cortex is the area of the brain that's responsible for things like planning and problem solving and controlling your emotions. And the gray matter in this area um, has been shown to become thicker uh, after increased uh, practicing of mindfulness. So in terms of creativity and problem solving, there's, there's some research that's, you know, showing that, um, you know, it helps us with this. Uh, I think <laughs> this is kind of going back to what you said about, um, and I'm not sure I'm connecting it to mindfulness per se, but um, you know that that problems like homelessness in Toronto, you know, some of the solutions are coming quicker because of the pandemic, um, whereby streets to homes has gotten 
um, a lot more people housed because of the uh, issues around um, people who are living in density in tent you know, intent communities. Um, some of those problems have, you know, been solved a lot quicker. Um, and that silver lining that you talked about. Um, I guess, you know, with mindfulness practices, one of the benefits is self-regulation and um, emotional self-regulation. So, you know, for our students, um, having that skill and, you know, developing that skill on an ongoing basis, no matter where we're at moving forward, is always going to be of benefit um, to students in the social service work profession. Wonderful. Uh, in this regard, um, I would like to add that critical thinking is one of the areas, and I feel there is great connection between mindfulness and critical thinking. So when absolutely in this regard, critical thinking is so important for social workers, for social work students to to, to question mm-hmm. about our views, uh, the wider beliefs and how we can actually support better to our uh, community and the clients we served, how we can mm-hmm. do some practice mindfulness. Yes, um, I'm going to share uh, something called, um, it's, it's basically a quick check-in that includes a body scan. So I'll say just quickly, um, the technique of a body scan in terms of a mindfulness meditation technique is not so much to feel, you know, our leg or our foot, but really to get a felt sense of sensations in our body. So as I give the instructions, um, I'll be, you know, having you think about what you're noticing in your body. Okay, I will try. Okay, thanks, Asan. So um, just take a moment and uh, sit upright in your chair. And if you're comfortable with this, you can close your eyes. Yes, I did. And sometimes it's great uh, at the beginning of a mindfulness meditation practice is just to take a slow, deep breath in. And then just a slow exhale. And I'm going to ask you to just bring your attention to your feet planted firmly on the ground. Yes, I did. Maybe you're noticing any tingling in either your left or your right foot. Noticing any vibration. Yes noticing any sensations at all yes feeling a little bit strong and then we can move up the legs to the hips and maybe noticing our belly and noticing the breath as it moves in and out maybe the belly is rising on the in-breath and falling on the out-breath. Yes. And then moving up 
to the area around our heart, just noticing any sensations, any tightness, and moving to the shoulders. We often hold quite a bit of tension in our shoulders, so just breathing into the shoulders and noticing if there's tension there. Yes. And you may notice that even as you're paying attention to the body, your mind is wandering off somewhere. Is it thinking about something you have to do later or perhaps a course that you have to prepare for? Just noticing that and bringing it back to the body. So right now, just bringing your attention back to the shoulders. Yes. And just... Finally, moving up to the face, perhaps scanning the jaw, the left and the right side of the jaw, and noticing if there's any tension there, because that, again, is an area where we hold tension. Yes. And just notice your breath for a moment, breathing in, breathing out. Noticing, noticing your whole body seated in the chair. Yes. And just taking a moment to be grateful for this opportunity to sit still in stillness. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Yes, I did. And that is a quick body scan meditation. Oh, thank you. I feel a little different than what I was like five minutes ago. And 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 what what did you notice before and uh, after? I feel like more connected uh, with my uh, thinking, with my mind, with my body, and mm-hmm. uh, it. It feels like I'm connected. I'm trying to be connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. different, as I said, than five minutes ago. And mm-hmm. it is like uh, helping me to calm down and focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just wanted to say that, you know, we all live in our heads so much that uh, an, an activity of meditation like the body scan helps our mind and body get reconnected. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Anne. And I, I hope no our, 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 our audience will love it and our students will love it. So finally, what uh, we have learned that mindfulness is for something for you. And it enhances our practice. It enhances our uh, emotional intelligence. It uh, enhances our relationship. So it's so important in social work and social work practice. And as um, John said, that mindfulness is life preserver. It is life mm. enhancer. So in terms of uh, John Kabat-Zinn's idea that it's a life preserver, I, I agree with his quote um, on a couple of different levels, both 
personally, uh, for myself, it has been a tool for self-care and stress management for three decades, I would say. Um, in relation to students, um, students who are studying to become social service workers and social workers, uh, self-care is a critical skill in the work that we do. And so mindfulness meditation is something that we can always draw on throughout our student uh, career as students, as well as when we continue on in the profession. It's something that we can always tap into. Um, it is something, uh, he uses the words life preserver and I use the word resilience. Um, the, the research is showing that when we practice mindfulness meditation, even though we might feel stress, we come back from our stressors quicker to that uh, kind of centered and calmness because of mindfulness meditation practices. So in terms of resilience and longevity, it's something that uh, will be there for us for life. Wonderful. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much for uh, joining us in this conversation. And we are very grateful to you. And I hope our audience, our students, uh, our social workers will love this episode. And uh, thank you once again. Well, Hassan, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, as always, you go above and beyond for our students. And uh, it's my pleasure to share uh, information about mindfulness. Thank you once again.